Hi guys, James here. We have the brilliant Matthew McAloon. Uh, he's going to be on Basic Pitches in just a moment. But first, I'd like to direct you to a new podcast I think you'd really love. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Hello, I'm a warm-sounding middle-aged TV scientist who spends his days in a lab at a bleak northern university. And I'm an inexplicably popular optimism and fitness influencer from Essex. Join us on BBC Sounds as we go in search of a broader download demographic while trying to improve your health and well-being, unless you have complex underlying mental health issues, in which case that's beyond our pay grade. We'll tell you things you'd be thick as fuck not to know already, like why breathing oxygen is better for you than breathing helium, but not as funny. I sound like a bloody chipmunk and my wife has left me. (laughs) We'll tell you why listening to music once a day can stop you going crazy with a gun, unless it's the Manic Street Preachers. And why vegetables can keep you alive long enough to see your grandson pass his driving test. And because it's the BBC, we'll have something that vaguely skirts controversy, like LSD. Is it bad for you? Is it good for you? Can it stop you liking olives? And can it cure hemorrhoids? That's another likeable but rather pointless addition to the health and well-being debate podcast on BBC Sounds. In a world where comedians pitch fake movie ideas, this is Basic Pitches. Hello, Matthew. Let me just turn off the audio coming from Clean Feed because it's, uh, I'm getting, You're getting twice feedback. the audio, yeah. Anyway, Matthew McAloon is today's guest on Basic Pitches during uh, lockdown 12 or whichever one we're calling this. I think that's because we've met once in a pub mm-hmm. and I was quite drunk. And well, it was a good, we, because of the mutual drunkness, we were able to cut through formalities and we became instant, like we were on the same level. <laughs> yeah. And we were on quite a small bench, weren't we? Mm-hmm. So it was very easy to, um, for me to be over-enthusiastic, disproportionately enthusiastic about your presence based on having seen you once live. I'm used to it. and i think i asked you drunkenly on the night like what's it like you know is it is your is it your like star power or is it the quality of the material that bumps you further up the running order that yeah and um we sort of pulled the curtain back a little bit because that night especially is like a bit of a new material vibe so that is the sweet spot for new material for me because i do that night quite regularly so going back there and doing 20 minutes of like an, of new ideas. I was there last month. As talented as I am, I have not got another 20 minutes of new material that I think is worth telling people. So I would do like the 10 minute spots and closing the section I find is the better place to be. So that's why I was there. But yeah, if you're going to be opening or closing a show, typically that means that you've got some quality to you and you're not going to sink the ship or send people home in a horrible mood, which happens, but you know, new material, especially there's a lot of swings, a lot of misses. So. Well, weirdest come on at a gig. Uh, anyone wait in the wings, ask for your number. Um, I remember I had, uh, who did I have on recently? It wasn't recent. That's why I can't remember. Uh, uh, um, Vittorio. Angela. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing so hard at the mere mention of his name, but he's just a ridiculous person. So yeah, uh, told me about this uh, a threesome that was propositioned to him after a gig. I think anything that you can do that other other people can't, where you can display a talent and confidence, does. The thing about comedians largely is a lot less approachable because 
you don't want to end up as a story. Oh, yeah. Depending on what style someone has, but my style is quite. Um, usually, I will go into the crowd and I'll sort of pick on people and stuff. So that makes it more difficult for people to feel like I'm just going to go up and talk to that guy after gigs. Um, so you're either thinking about drunk people or super confident people or maniacs. Um, I used to have a a bit in my set about if you're going to take a girl out, like just just be nice. Don't be a dick. Be respectful. Because in kind, you'll get that respect back. So first date, end it, kiss in the cheek. You tell, you say, look, this has been great. I'd love to do it again. And that way on the second date, you can just come straight in your face. Right. So it used to go okay, largely with women. Women would be the biggest laughers to that line. And the weirdest thing after gig was I was in a bar. So Angel Comedy Club was down the street from a bar at the Queen's Head, shockingly. So I'm in the Queen's Head and a girl comes over and it's just very uh, high school-esque. It was, um, she's like, oh, hey, we saw your show. My friend wants to know if she can skip straight to the second date. And <laughs> the friend was sort of just over her shoulder like, yep. Uh, like, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Just no. with some friends. I'm going to go back there. Um, but thank you for this. And you will be discussed at some point. And here we go. Perfect yeah. podcast fodder. When you are on stage and say, you know, I've, I think the biggest card I've performed to is 1,800 people in Shepherd's Bush. And when you're on that stage and you're looking up and you can't even see the end of the people, you're like, I am a god. And then when you come off and you're in Sainsbury's buying oat milk and bananas and then someone after the show comes in and they're still on their night out, you know, they're getting chewing gum or condoms or whatever they're getting. And then they sort of look over and they're embarrassed by the fact that they're seeing you. Mm. And then I said, it's like, you don't limiting that sort of exchange as as much as possible. Cause then you can go home and pretend people are talking about you and how great you were. You don't want the reality of them feeling awkward when they see you. Yeah. No, I am. Um, I don't know very many, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't friends with a, semi-famous musician for a while and he didn't sleep with groupies because he said I think it happened once and then the following day you have to drop them off somewhere from the bus or something like the you know the, well it's not the team coach <laughs> I'd love it if the tour bus the was called coach. the team coach and he says um and then he has to help her find a cab and all those small moments mm-hmm. reduce all the glamour and all the sexual excitement down to all the stuff everyone else has to do which is quite yeah. awkward and embarrassing you're just a person you're just a normal person or that's why you want to disappear um before we get onto your film pitch mm-hmm. you love mma fighting i do indeed tell me the appeal because i saw um i watched the mcgregor fight where he lost to that like unbeatable ukrainian guy or something and he just sort of choked him out yeah and i thought this is some bullshit because i was watching it and i was like i've seen clips on youtube it's like Mm-hmm. blood everywhere and yeah they're like it's fucking brutal and it's a cage i mean nothing ever boring happened inside a cage right so <laughs> i was like and then i watched this game and it was like tactical and i was like man i thought it was uh i thought it was supposed to be a kind of guy richie-esque dust up mm-hmm. and it didn't happen yeah you wanted like the the barroom brawl but in a in a cage unfortunately when it's two skilled fighters it doesn't get that um crazy like obviously you can have some real like there was a fight at the weekend um the main event was uh two guys mac holloway who was the champ 
the guy Calvin Cater and um, the guy Max Holloway basically broke every record that had ever been set for how many times you could hit someone in a fight. <sighs> so that sort of fight, you're, that's probably the one that if you were wanted something like that and you watch this, you're like, oh, I think I'm a fan. But a lot of it is tactical and um, it helps if you've had some experience in martial arts before, which I've had like an absolute minimal amount, but so I can appreciate the um, the skills a little bit more because mm. I know what it's like to wrestle someone that knows what they're doing. Yeah, and I, I once made a sound when I was I was doing some grappling in a MMA gym in London Bridge, and a guy threw me over his head, and um, when I landed, something came out that felt like it had been trapped in my body for about thirty one years this noise that I, I couldn't even replicate but it was like a ah! and it was the most embarrassing thing ever because a load of Russians and uh, Scandinavian guys just looking across like what was that <laughs> <laughs> what just happened but yeah, yeah MMA is great it, it completely put me off football and rugby and stuff like this because now I watch if I watch soccer I'll call it that just to annoy people if I watch soccer and I see this guy who has the ball and then a guy who wants the ball it's very hard for me to think, but just kick him. So MMA, the reason I brought, brought it up is because my friends were trying to um, see how we would do a group watch of the McGregor comeback fight, which is if this bit of this section of the podcast will be edited out, if I can't be asked to edit it in time, which is four days. And my turnaround time for these things is normally four months. You've, but um, having said that, mm-hmm. um, we can do a bit, we can do some sporty stuff now. You can give me your predictions. You can say like, What's McGregor's greatest strength apart from being a bullshit artist? Oh, I don't know if any physical strength compares to his ability to talk shit. Um, the, um, so I actually just recently started the podcast talking about MMA, five pound main event, check it out. Don't edit that bit. Um, and what I think, because this podcast will come out after mine, so I don't mind saying this. The, um, when you get two fighters, you got to look at um, their um, preferred ways to win and where they're stronger and Conor McGregor is going to fight Dustin Poirier and Dustin Poirier is very well rounded but what he likes to do is to stand and strike he can stop people from taking him down quite well if he is getting if he does get taken down he's quite confident on the ground either to get up or threaten a submission usually threatening a submission is the easiest way to deter someone from holding you down but with Conor Conor is elite on the ground or on standing connor is maybe the best boxer in that mma realm very good with his kicks and he uses the kicks to put you where he needs you to be to punch you directly in the temple which he's already done to dustin poirier he knocked out dustin poirier out in the first round when they fought maybe six years ago so my prediction for this fight and not to be the stereotypical irish mma fan who thinks Conor McGregor is God. Conor McGregor has a lot of flaws and there's a lot of people I would put to beat him. But Dustin Poirier does not have that elite skill set to hold over Conor McGregor. Therefore, I think Conor McGregor beats Dustin Poirier where Dustin Poirier wants the fight to go, which is standing. Hmm. And that's unfortunate because Dustin Poirier is a great guy, does a lot for charity, and this fight will have a lot of um, good to do with his... It's, um, his, pod- or his podcast. His charity is the good fight, and he auctions off fight gear every time he fights. So auctioning off Conor McGregor's fight gear, which is something Conor's agreed to, is going to raise so much money for charity. For that alone, this fight 
is a great thing to happen, but Dustin Poirier will be knocked out in the first round. Wow. There'll be, um, there won't be a lot of sweat on the clothing then if it ends quickly. Yeah. You want, ideally you'd want a bit of blood. So if Connor is a gentleman, he'll punch Dustin directly in either some scar tissue or the nose. Um, and hopefully it'll spread nicely. Matthew, you're, you're, you're a nice, you're, you know, you seem like a very empathetic, compassionate, broad-minded comedian. And yet you like watching blokes kick each other in the temples with their. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's. um That must hurt, right? Getting hit in the temple with someone's heel. It doesn't hurt at the time. Like I've been punched and kicked and all sorts and. It doesn't hurt. Like, I'm sure even at school, you can remember getting punched. It just confuses you in the moment. That's And that's the difference between... Um, like being in a supermarket and not knowing which... Like that kind of confusion, or is it more dis- distilled? Like, yeah, like when you're getting... Uh, when you're at the counter at an Aldi or at a Little, and she's just throwing food at you, the bag, and it's overwhelming, <laughs> and you know it hasn't stopped yet, and you're just fighting against the tide. That is what it's like when you've been hit and you're trying to get your head back together and you know you're going to get hit again. So that is an analogy I've never thought of before, but being an MMA fight post being hit is the same as getting served at little. <laughs> yeah, that is, it happens a lot, especially when the, and I sympathize with the person doing the um, scanning the food because they have a large queue and they're trying to get, they probably have, uh, you know, targets of speed of which to get customers through Mm -hmm. but if you have delicate items like eggs you know and you're bagging them (laughs) accordingly it can get quite hairy it's quite scary it's you know it's a race against time isn't it it's also it comes to how you've packed things in your basket and how you then put them on the belt and then how they're going to come out you need them to buy into your system and they don't always do that and also at Little and Alty and specifically like I want you to tag them in this podcast so they can hear this if they're going to insist on giving you a challenge when it gets to the till point give me enough space to have a bag open don't give me a slither at the end of the counter that there's no way I'm going to be able to put a full bag maybe two bags that's fantasy if you think you're getting two bags on the end of the counter space at Little you're you're dreaming. You're not for this world. You need to go somewhere else. <laughs> so, yeah. it's, you know, there really is, I think if you're going to scout for one of those physical sort of challenge shows like the cube or something like that, people should stand at the, at the uh, service areas of those stores and anyone that can competently pack those sort of bags, you're looking at, you go, this guy's got the sharp brain and the mental skills to do this challenge. Let's get him <laughs> on the show. Um, a film, the first film you remember having on when you had sex is a question that I have asked on and off, and I'm going to try and be a bit more committed to it because people talk about music a lot, but I think a lot of people used to put on a DVD mm-hmm. and then so a film that you remember having on that then led to, I remember having sex to the Alan Partridge book, the first audio book. Jeez. Um, <laughs> um, I can't think of a movie, but one that will always standout is season one of 24 uh, the dvd box set and obviously the the episodes had run into each other so that was fine but once the episodes had ended unbeknownst to me it would go back to a menu screen 
And if you didn't press anything on the menu, if you let it play for I don't know how long, one of the characters from the show would go, that's right, we're watching you. So that was the first time I remember having a DVD on whilst having sex and being like, what? (laughs) That show does not hold up. Rewatching 24 is a bit like watching Prison Break. I would put Prison Break, a Prison Break, Prison Break, a a league above 24. Prison Break was so mental that it's like, why do you keep going back to prison? Why, (laughs) what are you doing? You know, voluntarily, it was the, it was all about the first episode of Prison Break. It's about as far as the pitch went. And people were like, that is amazing. Have you wrote the rest of it? Absolutely. And then like, oh shit, they actually want to make this. Oh no. Um, but I did watch it all the way through. Yeah. I don't I still don't know why. See, I did I get better now at bailing on shows. I used to feel yeah. obliged once I was a couple of seasons in to continue. And now the the one that broke me was The Walking Dead. So my issue with um, me and my girlfriend were trying to, we were watching, uh, I gave up on Peaky Blinders because the show just seems to go from Killian Murphy's character getting into a gangland war with a charismatic leader of another rival gang. And then it's all a load of BS until the final, the season finale, which is a huge punch up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I bailed on it as well. I can't, it was the first episode of one of the seasons and it was just based on a music video that kept, hopping from bit to bit with great soundtrack and no story and i was like yeah. i can't what no just bump stop my brain needs fed i can't keep watching this stuff um right we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with matthew's pitch do you want to do an advert for your mma podcast i'm going to do an advert for my mma podcast now if you find yourself hearing more about mma but have no idea what it is don't really enjoy it that much, but feel like it would further some conversations. Here's a fantastic podcast solution for that one problem. This has also changed because James's battery has died, so he's no longer on this call, so he's going to crop that bit out. The five-part main event gives you everything you need to know about MMA, the news, the reviews, previews, gives you something to play along with, gives you built-in conversation and most importantly the knowledge you don't want to have to go and get on your own five point main event fresh episodes dropping for every big event check them out subscribe rate review stay in touch welcome back to basic pitches i'm with the brilliant matthew uh McAloon. and uh, we've done no northern irish comedy so if you came to this hoping that you'd hear um loads of wonderful repartee between a sort of southern uh, well-spoken English guy and a beardy Northern Irishman and we were going to get into some really funny banter about, you know. Yeah, like we could just condense it down the one sentence. Give us our country back. There we go. That's the whole thing. We nailed it. But also with the acknowledgement that just because you have a Southern accent doesn't mean you can pick up the phone and go, listen, we're going to have to get out of Northern Ireland. This guy seems pretty unhappy about it. <laughs> <laughs> I never would. Not with you. No, um, no. <laughs> I don't have that swing yet. What film, if money was no object, and you were in charge of Universal or Sony, would you make, Matt? Okay, so this one won't take much money. Um, it's basically a vehicle for me to be in the movie and have lots of scenes. 
that pander to my own ego, but it's also a movie I would watch. And that I think is the most important thing. You know, it shouldn't feel like work. And that that's the approach I've taken with what is definitely, um, if I was to think about this, sell this movie, it's layer cake meets the vibe of the expendables. Okay. So people right now are calling everyone they know in the movie industry and saying, whatever's about to come out of this guy's mouth is gold. But to set the scene, my character, definitely not me, but played by me, inspired by me. The character traits all the ones that I have in my real life. So it should be really easy to picture this as it goes along. Just picture me. But the whole genesis of the movie is I, my character, moved to New York City at 18 to escape the rough upbringing and um, just the, the bad crowd he'd fallen in with. Propensity for violence, but realizing that this was a path that could only go one way. Also, Northern Ireland, no, there's nothing else. There was nothing. No industry, no nothing. So get out of it. I go to New York. Okay, start fresh. And um, use what, the only thing I have to like to get a foothold, which is a willing to be a bit of a, an enforcer type for some ne'er-do-wells. Okay, I've become quite good at it, quite well known, but I want more for my life. So I buy a pub, right? Which my buyout from my crime world, because with John Wick, we know you can't just leave. Okay, you can't just leave. So I say, I will give you my function room and I will house New York's longest running uh, high stakes poker game for mob types. Okay. Yeah. All right. So already this is a combination of plots that people are familiar with. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everyone, they get it. They know. So the opening of the movie takes place in my bar. Okay. It's a place at the back. It's got the UN sign. Okay. And that's where me and my pals hang out because I've got two pals, one from Australia, one from somewhere in Eastern Europe. And we're referred to locally as the United Nations because on our rise up, we were real badasses. Okay. So playing these parts, ideally, money's no object, is I'd give a producer role to Chris Hemsworth because I don't have to pay him his full whack. But um, I just want to hang out with him. I just like be pals uh, so he would be in he would play one of the pals and then another pal would be played by um i couldn't i can't this i'll need a good casting agent for this one someone who really gets it ideally a very um americanized eastern european accented person okay i don't want too thick of a european nor our eastern european accent right I want, want my accent to be the most challenging of all. Yeah, of them. It will be. Don't worry. <laughs> Can you subtitle a podcast? Has that been invented yet? Or you just dub me? So, <laughs> so we're in the bar, and there's a lot of setting the scene, a lot of giving backstory through anecdotes, the classic way they do it in movies. Um, the worst example being Max Payne, the Mark Wahlberg movie, where it was so transparent how they were feeding you the information that was going to come back at the end of the movie that it yeah. ruins the movie. Um, also, the acting and plot ruined the movie, but that didn't help. Um, so it establishes our backgrounds, how we got where we are, what we're all doing, 
one of the guys has gone on family man, proper job. That's fine. The other is an, a playboy MMA coach. Okay. So we've got me running the pub, hosting the game. Um, one family man uh, runs a haulier company around New York City. I don't know why, but you can't go wrong with a scene where someone is unloading a truck. That's the smartest thing you've said so far. Yeah. I often think of a, of a van or a truck pulling up and, and the shutters at the back going up, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I don't know who's getting in or out. So ideally, someone's getting bundled into the back of it, but generally. And then the other thing is someone taking their moustache off in a bookies. Just like... To, <laughs> I don't, I don't Interesting. They link up. Okay. I'm just... I'll, I'll write that in. I'll write that it's into this movie. It's a heisty thing. Yeah. It's okay. it's, do you know what I mean? There's something, it's a bit, it's a bit tough guy, but it's also a bit heisty. So yeah. A mask or a wig, the removal, the reveal of, Oh my God, that's that guy that we didn't even notice. And the, well, there you go. Like when Heath Ledger's character in, uh, is sort of established early on in the dark night, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, so that was good. Okay. But that, that's, that was that's good. By idea. the by, yeah. yeah, I'm getting a so, sidetrack. I'm also feeling that the Hollier company could be good in the plot of this movie. If I need something moved or someone moved, having a Hollier in the family is a good way to go about it. So we're establishing things about the characters. What we establish about me is the whole like getting out, but hosting the game thing, the rules of the game um, that I left uh, a brother behind in Northern Ireland. The reason I left is I had a very neglectful family. I wanted better for myself. So I have a brother who's about 12 years younger that I have no contact with. Where's that going to go? Pretty soon. Um, And then general stuff, introducing different characters. So we need the weasel character, who's a guy I don't like, but who is still in that sort of underworld thing. Um, We need the number two character to the big boss gets introduced at this point and then i can't remember what i call him in my my sort of spec sheet the big boss feature much or is he just a in a, out a scary presence you know a, a, an overhanging presence probably a big name actor we can't really afford to get for the whole like for too much of the movie but yeah he literally we get him for two, we can we can we can pay for him for two days yeah yeah for the gravitas and put him in the trailer so people are like shit this movie's serious um yeah. and if there is a fight scene in this movie it's going to be how how fights actually are like no one's going to connect cleanly it's going to be scrappy um it's going to end up on the floor it's i hate in movies that everybody can um throw head kicks without warming up that's the biggest farce in all of hollywood like i have to warm up for 40 minutes and i'll barely reach your rib cage the idea that you're going to be in a bar and someone's going to talk shit and you're going to be able to get your knee up to like shoulder height and then get someone directly in the temple. Ridiculous. Also, is everybody wearing stretch clothing? No. So fuck off with all this um, flipping around cold. People warm okay, up so for hours. Nice? It's insane. You know, I'm sure there's people who could do it, but um, you're, you're in the minority at that point. You know, that you're the elite of the elite. Yeah. And clothing works against you, you know, and there's plenty of people and MMA fighters are probably the most ready to throw down at any time. They will need a warm up. Okay. So <laughs> that would be great if that was slowly introduced, you know, in a kind of uh, 
in a desire for realism, you just saw two guys going, all right, let's just, we'll, we will have this fight over mm -hmm. this, over this table, but first let's just do some stretches. Yeah. Well, the, the best example of that is um, Bruce Lee in, I can't remember what the name of the movie was, but when he fights Chuck Norris, before they fight, there is a warm up scene. Really? It's them intensely staring at each other as they sort of do go through their warm ups. And I was like, yes, that's what it should be like. Yeah. Or Cobra Kai, if you've watched it, when uh, Johnny's character throws a kick for the first time and it looks, he acts as if he's just pulled his groin because that is realism. It's yeah. like, of course he did. He tried to throw a kick cold in jeans and uh, he pulled something naturally. Um, yeah. All right. Okay. So we've established our backgrounds. We've established a few uh, key points that will come up later. Introduce characters. We're off to the races. You meet the partner. Um, we have a lovely dynamic. I'm thinking Zoe Saldana. What do you think? Yeah. Well, as the love interest. Or... Yeah. 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 Could I you see so. us together? Hmm? Could you see us together, me and Zoe? Um, I don't think I'd have suggested it um, straight away. Hurtful. But the... <laughs> But the more I think about it, uh, yeah, I can see that working. Yeah, also, anyone who's been in a family franchise who wants a jumping-off film to take, you know, so audiences yeah. can uh, believe them. Like a Hillary Duff 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Duff. Yeah. I mean, it's an Irish name. No, it would need to have... Duffy would be more. Um, but a lot of people got to the ports and they were asked their name and they said, oh, yeah, Duffy. And the guy said back, Duff, like, that'll do. Yeah. Really? And that's what was written down under paperwork. And that's what they became. So who true? knows? Who knows what their lineage was? Okay. Because I don't like opening myself back up to that violent mentality because that's a dark road. Like uh, Mike Tyson talked about years ago, he didn't like working out because working out means ego and ego for him meant hurting people. If working out meant ego and ego meant fighting, what's the comedy equivalent? Would you eventually have to be like jokes, <laughs> jokes equal ego, ego equals comedy and comedy. And then and that, and I, I can't make progress internally if I continue to do this. So does, is this you admitting that it's got a lifespan? Yeah, I think creatively you've only got so much. Oh, my notes have fallen over. Because um, there's, there's very few people that ever did it at like that can't be faulted like richard Pryor when he was at his best unfortunately he um he sort of passed away but he definitely tailed off um george carlin stuff got quite repetitive can you have comedy without ego absolutely not no because comedy for is for broken people with a point to prove and this is somehow they find out they have a talent for this um and how bad do you think i feel i do a podcast with comedians how broken am i that i no you're sick you're not broken. You're sick. You like the broken people. And then you like to show it off to the world to be like, look at these pandering fucks. <laughs> I think without ego, it's very hard to do anything. There is a challenge. I think an ego isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just become a bad word at times. But um, yeah, any drive comes from ego. Ego could be about, I want people to look at me as a good father or a great husband or a provider that's still ego, still striving mm. towards that. So the camp, I don't think there'd be anything great without ego. Yeah. That, um, that could be the, uh, the, the line I could yeah, read. The poster? Yeah, okay. 100%. Well, right. 
Back on track. Back on track. And um, okay, so then we get to a scene, shock arrival of my younger brother. Basically, mm-hmm. what it gets down to is, um, I c- should I give away the ending? I think we can. Sk- I think we can skip to the ending because skip the ending. I okay, we, I think we've established the heart of the film plus yeah. our protagonist's internal conflict. Mm-hmm. Then, obviously, outwardly stuff. You know, avoiding getting killed by the boss. Yeah. So look and I'm it. trying to save my brother's life because I pretty much look at it's my, my I have to guilt wise. Yeah. But then basically his actions between then and towards the end of the movie, basically the audience before my character have to realize this only works if the brother pays for his sins and dies. Right. Anyway, but by and large, a lot of the action should happen at the bar because I want one central location to keep cost on. Yeah, and so we can get a lot of filming done on on uh, well, maximize a day's work basically. Can we? You seem to know quite a lot about this process. Have you been in? Uh, have you got high enough up the chain in your chosen job that you get meetings at places like? Can you open I, those doors? I just apply the same logic to uh, brewing a beer as I would to making a movie. So if you're gonna brew a beer and it's a great beer and you can brew. 200 hectoliters but your run rate of sales isn't that massive like could we repackage that beer something else and sell the same thing in different ways and you know so the idea of doing as much at one time as possible is the way my brain works so looking at scenes and characters and um you know locations it just feels Mm. the same you know and also um trying to reinforce at all times how cheap this could be to make because that's what studios really want to hear. They, I think studios at this point only want to make super cheap stuff or the really expensive stuff that you have to go to the cinema for. The middle ground of movies it pretty much disappeared. That's true. Well, that was brilliant. That was definitely the most involved, engaged, immersed I've ever felt during this process. So thanks for that. Yeah. And the trailer um, will be amazing. Arguably, the trailer could be better than the movie itself. Uh, the brother. Who the brother been- will be an introducing role i need an authentic northern irish youngster like think vittorio but the actor version of vittorio i don't know what that is and we need a strap line for the poster family family doesn't need time to not grow but something like it has to relate to the family that it can be immediate um and not like family is like thicker than blood or something like that but you do want yeah, I, I, quite like just, <laughs> I, quite I felt like it. i was going somewhere there and then i was like oh i'm not haven't got this Here, how about this how about this nothing takes more work than family okay and what's it called your film oh i have no idea oh <laughs> no like okay. i don't want to go in with too many musts in case the studio have ideas hmm. um okay. All right. Well, I will need it, so I'll have to. You'll have to yeah. email me. <laughs> Could you'll it be to... called? I suppose I out of the blue, but I back think... to life. Back to life. I don't know where that came from. I quite like that. Yeah, it's good though, isn't it? Is there already a back? It doesn't matter with movies. You can have movies of the same name. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we we. I'm under no illusion. There will be no wheel reinventions here, so that's all good. Yeah, let's stick with that then. Back to life. Okay. Written, well, directed, starring Matthew McAloon, unless the studio have other thoughts. 
well, they might, but the important thing, um, I was, I read Peter Biskin's um, book about 90, the 90s indie scene and all, whether it's Wes Craven or Richard Linklater or Quentin Tarantino, um, they all stuck to their guns. So we need to do the same. Yeah. Man. The, uh, My battery's the, running low. I'm really worried about this. That's all right. No, they, we'll have to take the Sylvester Stallone approach to this. And he got offered money to not be in Rocky, which he turned down. I said, no, I have to be in this. And he got, he sold his dog, uh, you know, to help get Rocky made. Amazing. And then when he got the money for the movie, which he won an Oscar for, he got his dog back. An incredible story. Sylvester Stallone is the man. He makes the worst movies at this point, but the, the good movies he made are among the best ever. Well, thank you, Matt. Um, I didn't ask permission to call you Matt, but I'm assuming it's all right. That's a very Southern English thing to do. And um, you've just brought it full circle for the full expectancy of what people, and now the any Irish listeners just got what they expected to happen. Like, better the Southerner is going to do something to disrespect our countrymen. And it's happened right at the end. (laughs) Basic Pitches. Podcast to have you in stitches. Basic pitches. You've heard of films with some really bad ideas, like Night and Day with Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz. So once a week, we'll be chatting with a comedian, getting in a groove and improve the movie medium. Thing is, most stories have a stupid premise, like The Phantom Menace or films about tennis. Basic pitches, comedic riches. Basic Pitches A podcast to have you in stitches Basic Pitches